This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you who I've met in person have seen my unbelievable dashboards that I built. You know, I'm an analytics-like crazy person. I love the data. And I love presenting the data in beautiful dashboards that my team can use on their mobile devices, their phones, and TVs throughout the office. Now, the way I do this without having to hire a big development team is at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. It's using a company called Clipfolio, and I'll tell you more later on in the show how I use them. It's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. This is episode 670. Coming up tomorrow morning, we are predicting the future of financial technology with the CEO of FT Partners, Steve McLaughlin, who did over $10 billion in transaction volume in the space last year. I want you to listen and tell me if you agree with him. Good morning, everybody. Nathan Latke here. Our guest this morning is John Stein. He's the CEO and founder of Betterment. He's passionate about making life better. And with his experience from his career of advising banks and brokers on risk and products, he founded Betterment in 2008. John is a graduate of Harvard University and Columbia Business School, and he holds a Series 7, 24, 63, and is a CFA chartered financial analyst. His interests lie at the intersection of behavior, psychology, and economics. What excites him most about his work is making everyday activities and products more efficient, accessible, and easy to use. John, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, thanks for being with me here early on a, what is this, a Monday morning. Appreciate it. So start us off real quick. For those that are not familiar with Betterment, give us the gist of what it does and what your revenue model is, how you make money. Betterment is the largest independent investment advisor online. We manage your money for you in a way that the old institutions can't because we've used technology to automate all the best practices of investing and do them for you automatically. And that same technology drives the cost down for you. So you get better investment management at a lower cost than you can get anywhere else. This service is uh, is leading the way in the industry right now, and the industry is all coming after us. They all want to change their 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 products to be more like ours. Uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, we charge customers uh, a fee that's a percentage of the assets under management. Which is how much, John? It's 0.25 percent, which is okay. the lowest in the industry. And 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 by charging this one clear, transparent fee, uh, we align ourselves with the customer in a way that the old institutions are not. The old institutions charge you for transactions or they're selling products to you and getting commissions for those products or they have their own funds that they're pushing on you, these kinds of things. Betterment is an advisor, a fiduciary, which means we have to put our customers' best interests first and that means we're aligned with our customers, and that translates into how we charge charge our fee. Now, you said at the top of the show that this you guys are the largest in terms of being online. Tell me, tell me what that number is in terms of assets under management in total currently. Today, we manage $8.2 billion. $8.2 billion, guys. So, there, guys, there's your teaser. We're going to come back to kind of current day betterment and where John sees the future going. But, John, take us back, man, because it sounds like you did two degrees at Harvard, and it looks like you're maybe leaning towards medical. What in 2008 brought you back towards kind of financial? Yeah, well, I, I studied economics and a little bit of behavioral biology as an undergrad, and those are really where my interests were. And as I came out of school, 
I was an economics major, and 80% of the graduating class from Harvard went into finance of some sort. And at that time, finance, I mean, 80% is a crazy number for, for That's people huge, in yeah. the industry. But at that time, 40% of all the financial profits in the U.S. were coming from financial services. This was 2001 when, when I graduated. And it just it didn't make any sense that uh, that, that so much money was going to, to financial firms. Something seemed broken. I didn't want to just follow everyone I knew into finance. Um, and so for a while, I thought I'd be a doctor. I did a post-bac pre-med degree. I wanted to help people. I wanted to do something that I felt would be really good for the world. I, and uh, and yet I didn't really like blood. I didn't really like working in the lab. Like the whole, I, I decided, although I love the science, medicine probably wasn't for me. And then I found myself back in New York, and I found myself consulting for banks, helping banks make more money. Doing hey, John, there. let me put some years around this just so people can follow your story. This was 2001 to 2002 when you got your pre-medical studies degree at Harvard, correct? That's right. That's right. And so 2003, January, I moved to New York. Soon after that, I was working at First Manhattan Consulting Group. And John, you were how old at this point? I was 23, I guess, when I started there, maybe 22. Okay. Um, and uh, and so for for me it was uh, it was you know it was kind of a tongue in cheek thing to say I'm helping banks more make make more money. I, I realized that I was in an industry that I didn't have say a, a passion for for the the work I was doing, but I was learning so much and I was working with really smart people and I found I, that that I was I was uncovering opportunities to start businesses left and right because the the banks were not paying close attention to the, what their customers wanted. They weren't designed in a customer-centric way. Yet I saw a few institutions that had done things well. I really liked the ease and accessibility of, of ING Direct's online savings account. I really liked the low-cost uh, model of the Vanguard uh, funds. And You're wanted, referencing, John, there, the low expense ratios, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the customer-aligned model that they have, that they really um, you know, um, uh, are, they're a mutual company. Um, so I looked to, to kind of combine the, the, the low costs with the ease of use and, and to add something that for me was a real uh, frustrating point in my own investing, which was that I was investing, I had opened seven different brokerage accounts over the years from 2003, say, to, to 2007. Okay. And, uh, and I was, was doing different things in each and, and I made some good decisions, I made some terrible decisions. And in uh, and, and all that time, I thought it's crazy that no one actually makes money management in my best interest, that no one is doing all of the things that I want done for me, like tax loss harvest, like dividend shielding, like automatic rebalancing. Why doesn't that exist? And I realized that the, in, the industry is fundamentally flawed, that the, 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 the firms that serve the market are either mutual funds or just trying to sell their funds, or they're brokers who are just selling whatever generates them the highest commission. And there was no advisor that served people like me, the mass market, the mass affluence. There was no scaled advisor. And so I thought we, that is a real opportunity, and, and that was the, the idea behind Better. And this was, was this 2008, John? That's right. So I started at Columbia Business School in 2007. And I had the idea for Betterment and the name even before I started there. I, I went to school thinking I wanted to come out starting a company, open-minded to other things that might come up. But 
I worked on Betterment while I was there in school. I, I workshopped it in so many of my classes and, and built out the business plan and did user research with, with my classmates. People got really sick of hearing me talk about this idea. <laughs> and it took a long time to put the company together because it was a big idea. It was fundamentally reinventing the financial services system around a better model for customers. And that took time. It took a lot of engineering work. I didn't know how to code when I started. I taught myself to code while I was in business school so I could build the first version of the site with my partners, Sean, who was an engineer at Google at the time, and Eli, who was a, who was a lawyer. So John, those are your, those are your three co-founders? Those are my three co-founders, uh, and we got some early investment from uh, from a, a guy who was in the brokerage industry named Ryan O'Sullivan. Now, John, hold on. Walk, walk us through that for a second, though. So a lot of our listeners are folks that are actually exactly where you were in 2008. They're, they're, they were teasing an idea in school. They're trying to think about launching it. First, give us, give us a, a snapshot of you financially at this point. So, like, any student debt? At that time, I had no debt. Okay. Uh, at that time, I had saved a, a fair bit from consulting. It, fair to say, six figures you had saved in the bank? Yes. Okay. So how much, and this is helpful because people are trying to understand risk when they're trying to figure out, do I get a job or launch their own thing out of school? So when you launched, uh, you said you have yourself and then two other co-founders, so three total. Walk us through the amount of money you raised earlier uh, at the beginning and how you got that funding. When we were in those early days, uh, we, we didn't need a ton of funding because we didn't pay ourselves salaries. So we, basically our funding was was, uh, was paying our, our, our rent and, and, and food for that first year or so. What was that about? Then, I'm curious. We, we, raised, uh, we raised some money from, uh, from ourselves. We pooled our, our investment uh, so that we could bring on a couple of employees. Uh, and, uh, and I think that initial investment was only maybe... Uh, it was less than four hundred thousand dollars that we pulled together from ourselves and friends and families. All of those four, those four founders that I mentioned, all chipped in some money. Oh, got oh, so there's four of you total. There's you and three others. That's right. Got That's it. Right. So, you, so you pulled that initial money. Was that just a convertible note that you did? Uh, it, it was. Um, it was really just founding company it wasn't okay. even a note we all, we all contributed capital to the company and then fast forward real quick kind of kind of tease us for a second because you you've raised significant capital how much total have you raised to date 205 million today so where did you realize that you were going to kind of go down the route you know there's a there's a mental switch in a lot of founders mind when they go from hey bootstrapped lifestyle business to hey we're going to you know shoot for the stars here and, and you go for a billion dollar ipo or solve a really big problem where where did you kind of where was the tipping point for you was it when you put in the initial 400k or was it a series a or series b or what I always wanted to build a company that would impact the lives of millions of people for the better from day one, that was our ambition. Now, we knew it would take a lot to get there. We knew it would be a capital-intensive business. We're building an investing business that requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of scale. It requires a lot of really smart engineers and investing experts and just great PhDs and, 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 and CFPs and all these types who are expensive. And so we knew it was going to be uh, a capital-intensive business, and we, we have to raise money to do it. From day one. Yeah. And where are you to, John, just give us a sense of team size real quick today. How many, what's your total team size and how many of them are engineers? We've been, uh, we've grown and been successful beyond, I think, even those initial ambitions. And today we have uh, 220 people. Okay. About half the team are engineers or, or product managers. Most of our team is involved in building the services. So we've got on top of that the, 
the, the investing experts, the operations folks, uh, designers, et cetera. And that's most of, of Betterment. Now, let me switch gears for a second. So we had Andy on from Wealthfront in episode 498. You know, he obviously shared they've got about $4.4 in assets under management. And one of the things he articulated when I asked why he thinks he can win this space is he said, well, there's other competitors in this space. He didn't name you, but I'm only assuming. He said there's other competitors in the space that are just acquiring customers at a ridiculously unprofitable rate. How do you think about customer acquisition? We have probably the best customer acquisition model in the industry. I think we are the envy of, uh, of the big and small firms alike because most of our customers come to us from word of mouth. It's always been our number one source of customers is referrals. More than 50% of our customers, when, they, when we ask, how did you hear about us? They say it was a friend. Uh, and, that, and, and investing in our service, investing in the value that we're driving back to customers is the most important reason that we've grown as fast as we have and, and left the competition behind. What are you spending per month on, on the paid side of your acquisition? Can't disclose that. Okay, but you are spending amounts there. We have so many different uh, different things that we do on the marketing side. I mean, we are, uh, you've probably seen our TV ads. You've probably seen uh, cab tops. You've seen that we sponsor podcasts. You've seen that we, uh, um, we, we do all kinds of, of things to get the word out. And I think our goal today as a company is to, to make noise because we have to open people's eyes to the fact that there is now a better way to manage money. The old maxims of the past, the thing that you learned from your parents or your grandparents about how you should invest, doesn't work anymore. It's not the best thing you can do. And that's a hard change for people to make mentally. People are set in their ways. There's a lot of inertia in financial services. We've really got to open eyes to the fact that it's time for a change. It's time for a new paradigm. So, John, when I let's talk about what works for a second. If Warren Buffett were here, and you know, obviously, I study him. We go to all the investor conferences, and a lot of our listeners obviously uh, study his stuff. I'm sure you have as well. You know, his, his articulation is: if you're if you're a guy that's not going to be an active, you know, active investor and in researching and really studying stocks to go after that are, you know, quote the cigar butts. You should do your best. Your best bet is to put your money in a passive, you know, Vanguard, you know, you know, S and P 500, you know, passive, you know, fund because the expense ratio ratios are really low. So, to the listener right now that's going, wow, Betterment sounds Sounds great, but I'm in Vanguard right now. I have ten thousand dollars next month to put towards one of these guys. Why should they put it into Betterment versus a Vanguard S and P index? Because they're burning money. How they're just wasting it away. Because they could be doing so much better at Betterment. We can make them more money on on, on their assets. We work every day to maximize your money. Well, but John, be specific in terms of like numbers. So, like the point. How's the point? Twenty five percent you charge compared to like what Vanguard would charge. Warren Buffett uh, is a fellow Columbia grad and is super smart, obviously, has done great for his customers. He's, he doesn't do what he, he preaches, right? He's an active investor himself. Um, and we're big fans. Uh, I think that his advice was great for the time that, uh, that he first made it. It was probably the best thing that you could do uh, at, at that time. But today, technology has moved forward. And uh, well, John, just just to be clear, though, I have to jump in real quick. He gave an interview in, on January 15th, where he reiterated this advice. So this isn't something that's like decades old. Why should somebody put their money towards Betterment versus Vanguard? Because we'll make you more money than you would make in a, a single fund. And, and how? Because we will tax optimize for you. We will behaviorally optimize for you. We will shield your dividends for you. We'll what do does that mean? Hey, John, what, is, what do those things mean for you? 
I would suggest you come to betterment.com and read the, the dozens of white papers, blog posts, research, all the evidence that we have about the way we invest and how it's better than anything else you can do with your money. So John, let's focus on that for a second. So our, our listeners aren't going to spend hours and hours probably researching this. Give us just a sense of one of these things that mentioned. You mentioned kind of three pillars, I think, task loss, harvesting, tax coordinated portfolio, taxman, lot selling are some of the things you list on your website. Take us through one of these and why you can do it and Vanguard can't. Well, we, we can do all of these things because we are an advisor. Our role is to maximize our customers' money. That's our job. It's our commitment to our customers. Vanguard is a fund company. Vanguard sells you funds. We are independent from our funds. We are able to choose. We choose many Vanguard funds, but we choose the best funds from all the providers who are out there. And our role is to maximize your money across those funds. That's not the role that mutual fund companies play. And so should people listening right now compare your 0.25% kind of fee on assets under management to the expense ratio on Vanguard? Is that normalized or no? Not exactly. So I would compare an all-in net return number. And I would think about that 0.25% being more than made up for in the tax optimizations alone, plus the behavioral optimizations, the, the, the diversification and and the ease of use that we give you are worth a lot more on top of all of that. Interesting. So, John, this is still a fair. I mean, eight billion is really impressive, uh, and you're clearly leading in terms of these this new wave of wealth front, and you and some other folks that are you know solely online advisors. How do you? It's a trillion dollar industry, though. When you look at asset under management across Vanguard and some of the bigger guys, how do you start eroding these guys' lead quicker? <laughs> <laughs> That's a million dollar question, right? <laughs> It is, uh, we are growing faster than I think any firm in history in this space. It is a slow to move space. We have, we're seeing explosive growth given, um, you know, how generally slow it is. If you look at the growth of ETFs, we're growing faster than ETFs took off. If you look at the growth of, uh, say, discount brokerages, we're growing faster than that. So we are, uh, people are becoming aware of what we're doing, and the entire industry is really shifting to come to us, they're all chasing us. The advantage that we have is who would you trust? Would you trust the old institution that's been ripping you off for years, has been neglecting you at the very best and not getting you what you deserve, who's finally found religion and is trying to come and, and, and put a, a nice veneer on top of their old platform? Or would you trust the company that has been doing this from day one, who's championing customers, who's fighting for you every day and making this industry change? I think we have an incredible opportunity to change financial services, and this is day one. John, what are you guys at today in terms of customers that are invested in you guys? 240,000 customers. That's great. Is that, do you know off the top of your head, I need to go back and listen to Andy's interview. Was that more or less than Wealthfront? It's more. <laughs> I thought you'd say that with a little more energy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. 248,000 folks. And and just to be clear, that number is that they've put at least a dollar into Betterment or they put at least 10,000. Do you guys have a minimum? There's no minimum. Those are funded customers. We've got lots more people who've signed up, but those are funded accounts. Okay. So, so it's fair to second to say at least a dollar. Okay, great. Awesome. Last question here before we wrap up. So you did your $100 million series E, I think back in March, 2016. Is that right? sounds right to me okay so fast forward to today you know it's a year later so you're right now either raising a massive round or you're selling to a big guy for over a billion dollars which one is it <laughs> come on john 
we've always said we're going to make this a public company. Uh, we've always had our sights set on the long term. We're building an institution for the next century. We're not interested in selling out right now. Fair enough. And I mean, you said most of your, re well, actually, I didn't ask this. Most of your revenue you said was driven from that 0.25% fee. Is that accurate? That's it. That's our only source of revenue. That's all we do. And that's that's how our customers know we're completely transparent. Yeah, I'm doing the math off the top of my head here. But if I take a quarter of $8 billion in assets under management, is that something like $200 million in revenue just from that channel? I think, I think check check the math. <laughs> but you can do the math and, and get pretty close to, uh, to, to what our revenue is. When I was recently in New York meeting dozens and dozens of you that listened to the show, I showed many of you guys my SaaS analytics dashboard. I also showed you my website and a conversion dashboard from impression to free trial to paying customer, along with many other dashboards I use in my business, like my social media command center and a few others. Now, all of these are built with one tool. I just dragged and dropped them together. You can see how I did that at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Now, these dashboards, guys, are critical to my business. You know, I refresh them on my mobile phone right when I wake up in the morning. I roll over and boom, refresh. I'll refresh them right before I have to take off on a flight because I'm just addicted to data and numbers. They drive my business. So I think they probably drive your business too. You can see my dashboards, how I use them at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Now, if you go to the regular website, that's the tool is called Flipfolio, you only get 14 days free. You go through my link, you get 90 days free. So I got a great deal for you guys. It does expire. So you got to go there now. Awesome. Good stuff, guys. John, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book at the moment is um, the uh, the Life and Times of Cornelius Vanderbilt. It's called The First Tycoon. It's an incredible history of American business. Awesome. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I've long been a fan of Amazon and Jeff Bezos. I'm, I, I talk about him a lot. And some of the, uh, the processes that I think we've learned from people we've hired out of Amazon, we're putting in place here at Betterment today. Three, what's your favorite, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building and growing your business? Wow. Uh, big fans of uh, Greenhouse. Shout out to um, uh, my, my friend Dan Chait. I think they have an incredible product over at Greenhouse for hiring, and it's helped us to, to build our team. Number four, yes or no, uh, John, you get eight hours of sleep every night. I do not. Uh, I, uh, I, I shoot for, for six to seven. All right. And last question. Uh, what do you wish you're, well, how old are you today? I'm 37. So take us back 17 years, John. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel so. This is during your medical degree, right? Sorry <laughs> to change anything. Yeah. You know, I, I guess um, I feel, I just feel very settled. Uh, I feel like, you know, things, things, things work out. And, um, I, I guess if anything, I could have, uh, I could have taken a, a risk a little, a little earlier. Awesome. Top chive. There you have it from John Stein, founder and CEO of Betterment. He wishes his 20 year old self would have jumped into entrepreneurship, taken that risk earlier, maybe before heading into Columbia Business School. They're leading the way when it comes to online, again, wealth advisors. They've got $8 billion in assets under management, over 200,000 folks that have put at least a dollar into their system. They charge 0.25% on assets under management fee to customers. And the reason they feel totally uh, good doing that is because the upside for you guys, for folks that put money 
money with them uh, hinges on uh, really three core concepts which concepts which you can read on the website ranging from tax lost harvesting to a tax coordinated portfolio uh, to taxman lot selling and many other areas john thank you so much for taking us to the top thanks nathan if you enjoyed john today go back and listen to dean yesterday And he walks us through how he did his first real estate deal at 18 years old. So if you're listening and you're thinking about real estate, you want to listen to that episode now. I'll give you a hint as well. Today, he's doing over 400 grand in rental income alone. He also has a best-selling book. Go back and listen to that episode now and be sure to tune in every morning for a new episode. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners. But boy, oh boy, it makes my day and makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan.